Within the consciousness of each and every one of us resides the eternal and sacred soul. By awakening to our soul and striving to live in alignment with our soul's purpose, we can live extraordinary lives beyond conditioned limitations to pursue a life of healing, intentionality, and connection. Join us, your co-hosts, me, Katrina Slade, and Jennifer Helwing, as we explore and discuss this path of living in alignment with the sacred soul. In this podcast, we endeavor to inspire and empower you through individual and collective healing of the feminine. We are here to honor our oneness, celebrate authenticity, and deepen our connection to our beautiful planet Earth. This is the Sacred Soul Podcast. Welcome back to the Sacred Soul Podcast. This week, Jen and I are talking about embodied spirituality, which is addressing the way that our bodies are impacted by energy and how they hold wounding and how that can manifest in our lives. So we're going to be talking about the three lower main chakras in this episode. And in future episodes, we're going to cover the other main chakras and we'll even have future episodes where we dive deeper into each individual chakra. Yeah, so when we're talking about embodied spirituality, what we're kind of talking about today is how when we're going on our spiritual path and we're trying to grow as an individual and grow as a spiritual person, we can find a lot of limitations in that growth when we're held back by these wounds and particularly these wounds in the lower three chakras, which are going to prevent us from bringing that higher vibrational energy that we get from meditation, from spiritual practice, and bringing it into our body and into our lives and into our relationships. And so what we're going to be talking about today is how to clear those blocks and how to work with healing those blocks so that you can be embodied. And being embodied is something that I'm not going to define because it's going to be different for everybody. And so you can just take a minute if you're listening to think about What does that mean to me to feel embodied, to have embodied spirituality? There's no right or wrong answer. Um, It's just how you want to feel in your body and how you want to bring your spirituality into your physical self and into your physical life. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Beautiful. Before we get into the specific chakras, we want to mention that the term chakra is from ancient Sanskrit and the chakra system has been around for thousands of years. It comes from various Eastern spiritual teachings, including Hinduism and Buddhism. And if you're unfamiliar with chakras, they are areas in the body that people call energy centers. And in ancient traditions, they've been called um, chakras, which is sort of a term that means spinning wheels of energy. Yeah. So these, these energy centers are actual physical areas in our body But in addition to that, they also relate to different systems in the body as well. And as they relate to these different body systems, they also relate to these different aspects of ourself, these different aspects of who we are as people, who we are as human beings. And so in that sense, they can also relate to different areas of our personality and different areas of our mind as well. So in in many ways, they are both physical as well as metaphorical and intangible at the same time. Yeah. And once you become aware of your chakras and start paying attention to like the sensations and feelings in your body, 
you're going to really notice how impactful they are. Yes. So today I think we're going to focus mostly on the root and sacral chakra. Um, and we'll, I'll talk a little bit about the solar plexus, but I really want to start with those lower two because these are the most dense energy centers. And so what I mean by that is they relate the most strongly to our physical bodies and our physical lives. So when we talk about embodied spirituality and we see that connection between our spiritual practice and our life, it's really just about bridging that connection and finding that way to live spiritual lives. And so as we as we go through this path, we have to heal the ego mind and the sense of personality in addition to the spiritual growth and connection with our soul and that kind of stuff that we do. Otherwise, what can end up happening is we can have this kind of flip floppy energy where we can go into meditation and we can feel really good and feel really blissful. But then we come back into our real lives and we suddenly feel triggered. We suddenly feel upset. We suddenly have health problems. We suddenly have all of these challenges in our interpersonal relationships and with our emotional life. And then we kind of find that we're not able to, to bridge that connection. So that's what we're going to be talking about today is how that path of healing actually helps us to be more spiritual beings as we live our lives, if that makes sense. Does that make sense, Katrina, how I explain that? Yeah, I relate to a lot of what you just said. <laughs> I can feel so blissful in meditation and then I come back and it kind of fades away. And then I start feeling overwhelmed with like my list of things I want to get done that day or, or whatever, you know, or old conditioning, you know, just because you're in touch with your chakras or you're in meditation doesn't mean you're not ruled by conditioning or things from your childhood or past lives or inherited. Um, and I did, I did want to mention that before we get too deep that our chakras are influenced by so many things and like the main, well, the main ones, would you say are like childhood, <laughs> major, 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 and, um, our inherited wounding or even inherited gifts, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So there, it's not like if you feel like you have a wounding or a blockage, it's all your fault or anything like that. It's, um, we all have them. Um, because it's part of being human and it's part of yeah. the learning and the growing that we're meant to do here. So I just wanted to mention that. Exactly. And so exactly what you said, Katrina, that that path of spiritual growth and the path of healing are the same path. Yes. <laughs> They're not separate paths, right? If that makes sense. So let's start with let's start with the root mm -hmm. chakra. And I'm gonna talk about what that is a little bit but going into this episode i'm kind of assuming that people listening have some sort of basic knowledge already because i'm going to go a little bit higher level here with it um, but i'm specifically going to be talking about how it relates to your journey of self-development and growth okay mm -hmm. so when we start to work with the root chakra and we start to work with that in the sense of how we relate to ourselves spiritually, I think this is the main place that we need to start when we want to work on embodied spirituality. And we wanna work on bringing our spirituality and our spiritual practice more into the body. The root chakra is the best place to begin with. So as you probably already know, this energy center relates to our family roots, our nourishment, our sense of safety, um, the biggest thing here is trust, the idea of trust and safety. 
So what happens here is it's basically our relationship to the world. And you have to understand when we're a baby, our, our caregiver, primary caregiver is our world, right? So the relationship that we have with that primary caregiver and whether we feel like we can trust them, like our needs are taken care of, like there's nourishment that we need that's being given to us, that is going to ultimately shape how we see the entire world. So if you're listening, you can think for a minute, what are some positive and negative beliefs I have about the world in general, about even being here on earth? All right, so you can start to question that. How do I feel about the world in general? Maybe I have some positive things, maybe I have some more negative or skeptical beliefs. And you can just question how you might hold those beliefs in your root and how that might relate to your own relationship with your primary caregiver as a child. So mother wounds are big here. This is where we go with that in the beginning. Now, again, I just want to say too that obviously if your primary caregiver was acting from a wounded place and then that wounding was passed down onto you, that that likely didn't come out of nowhere. And so that likely came from that person's relationship with their primary givers and so on and so on and so on. So here we also have ancestral trauma, um, lineage stuff and all that kind of stuff that can be passed down through there. So that's, it's a lot, it's a lot to deal with. It is, yeah. So that, that all that kind of stuff lives in the root. Um, there's this really lovely quote that I like, which is, the mind is to the body as the parent is to the child. Oh. So what that means is, the way that you perceived you were being treated by your parents as a child is now the way that your mind is going to treat your body as an adult. That is amazing. I love that because it's so true. Um, yeah. Yeah. Particularly when we're looking at the chakras and when you're aware of all of this and how they are formed and how they are impacted. So, so what comes up for you there, Katrina, when I say that? about how your mind is in relation to your body? I have a lot of wounding <laughs> now. So I think um, even if you don't suffer like terrible traumas, there's still gonna be stuff that comes up because it's meant for you to heal. Um, like I know I have ancestral wounding in the root that needs to be healed, even though I didn't suffer a lot as a young child. Um, it's carried over into me so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, exactly yeah and you know I've had a lot of I've been doing a lot of healing on my lower chakras and I had a very lovely mother she's still a lovely mother but she was a working mom and mm -hmm. I'm I'm a feminist like I want women to feel empowered to do whatever they want to do in their lives I want them to have as many opportunities as they want yeah but I can see how perhaps that affects the young, young child if the mother, especially because I'm American and I know Jen in Canada and lots of other places it's different, but in America, there's not a built-in parental leave system. So mm -hmm. the, yeah. mother, the mother's forced oftentimes to leave. And then this is when the child is very, very young, you know, a young baby. And yeah. it could unintentionally cause an impact at, even at that age even though the baby you don't think of the baby as being aware of things very much mm -hmm. like like a newborn but somehow it does <laughs> yeah it ends up in the it ends up in the somatic body in the energy body in the nervous system exactly 
or like if your parents are really busy or let's say there's a lot of siblings and your parents are like spread too thin or whatever um, and they're trying their best, but it doesn't mean that you're going to be completely balanced and healed and well, like just because they had good intentions, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's in the best of cases, I think. Yeah, exactly. So there's that sense of working is sort of something that was valued and of course it it needed to be valued because like you said there weren't a lot of systems in place to support a lot of time off so now working becomes valued and sometimes working becomes valued more than my body's needs and so that might be something that you have a pattern that you have where sometimes work is valued more than your body's needs or has been in the past oh definitely definitely (laughs) that's something i'm healing right now that's a good point yeah So that's definitely something that I have in my energy that I'm working through. And I think a lot of us do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great example. That's absolutely a perfect example. So thank you so much for sharing that. I can talk about my own as well. So for me, it showed up as dissociating. I would go a whole day without eating because I didn't know I was hungry or I'd feel hurt by something, but I would think that I was fine. It would be stuffed down so fast that I would think I was fine. And then weeks later, it would keep bothering me and I'd be like super stressed or like super upset or irritable or something. And I'd be like really, really upset and I wouldn't understand why. And then I would stop for long enough and be like, oh, it's because of that thing that happened last week that is still bothering me that I haven't really recognized that that actually bothered me. So that's how it showed up. And then of course, just seeing my body as not me, but as like this, Thing that I had to lug around with me that had all these <laughs> needs that were really inconvenient, you know, and you can see that that conditioning comes from the whole parent child thing as well, right? Like I felt like my own yes. needs were really inconvenient. What I had to do with my healing was create a relationship with my body. My mind and body can have a relationship together so I can communicate. I can ask my body, how are you feeling? What do you need? You know, what's going on there? What would feel good? What doesn't feel good? And just giving the time and space to kind of and this is kind of related to inner child stuff too this is very similar but it's creating that relationship with my body and that's something that has helped me to really bridge that connection now i feel very connected to my body to the point where i almost identify with that i identify as somebody who's really connected to my body yeah that's a great example thank you for sharing that yeah so i'll talk a little bit about too how this relates to spirituality in particular okay so this is kind of i'll try not to go too deep in it because we can get deep in this when we do a root chakra episode but i've had many spiritual awakenings as you guys know from listening and a lot of those were not embodied okay so what that looked like was a lot of mental energy a lot of like really high highs but no integration no ability to bring that energy into my life in a way that made any sense It was a very disconnecting and uprooting experience being having my spiritual awakening felt like I was being pulled away from the world, pulled away from my life. I felt separated from everything. And and yes, that was very blissful. But also, how do you take that and go back and, and, and live your life? How do you take that and go back into your life and get a job and have a relationship, right? How do you bring that back into life? That's kind of the the connection that was missing. And it was that root chakra wound that had been healed. Mm, because you weren't rooted like deep enough to feel right grounded and all of that. 
Exactly. Exactly. So when we have spiritual growth, but we're not balancing that with grounding and integration and connection to the earth, then we can have this very disembodied spirituality that is very like head in the clouds, very like in bliss, disconnected. You know, I'm in oneness all the time and I'm, I'm, you know, way up here instead of living in my life. Oh yeah. I can think of a few people that are like a little too head in the clouds, a little too unconcerned with like the day-to-day aspects of being a human. Spiritual bypassing. Yes. Spiritual bypassing. Yeah. That lives there. Yeah. So let's talk about healing it. So again, we'll we'll go really deep into this stuff when we're doing episodes where we just talk about these specific chakras, but I'm just going to touch quickly on get through all these points. So when we talk about healing it, how do we heal this? Because it's not something that we can quickly heal, but I do have a couple of suggestions of places to start. So one of them is something you might not think of with the root chakra, it's self-forgiveness. Self-forgiveness. So this is interesting because if you have a wound, like what I was talking about, where you felt some sort of neglect or abandonment or rejection or minimization of your needs as a child, what ends up happening a lot of the time on a subconscious level is that child will somehow blame themselves or they'll somehow think that it's their fault and that's horrible but that's Mm -hmm. what happens sometimes at a deep subconscious level and so then what happens is as we become adults and bad things happen like let's say somebody breaks up with us or we don't get the job that we wanted or you know these certain things that we want and need are taken from us we go right to blaming ourselves and then we don't forgive ourselves and it's really toxic and muddy and murky and dark in there yeah so start with self-forgiveness you can do journaling activities about what you're ready to start forgiving yourself for and i say start because it's forgiveness is not like the switch that you can flip on it's a, it's a it's a process if only if only healing was that easy <laughs> yeah so <laughs> So you can write about some things that you might be ready to start forgiving yourself for. Um, that's very, very helpful. This will get you really far already. Second one is embodiment work, nervous system healing, addressing your health problems. So Katrina can talk so much about this, but when you have a health problem and your body is screaming at you, listening to it, going and getting treatment, figuring out what's going on on a physical level, on an emotional level, on a spiritual level, right? Having a team of lots of different caregivers that can address all those different areas. Yes. But listening to your health problems, listening to what they're trying to tell you and actually focusing on healing them instead of just ignoring them. Exactly. Because there's a reason your body is telling you, you need to focus on healing this, you know, whatever it is. There's a reason. And if you're ignoring it, it could get worse and worse and worse. And that's just completely out of alignment with your well-being and with your healing and, and all of that. Yeah, exactly. And then the third one, and this is particularly for those who feel like you might have a mother wound, um, cultivate a relationship with Mother Gaia, with Mother Earth. So you can learn to talk to her to sit with her to explore herbal remedies and natural medicine and have the intention 
of gratitude and that you're receiving this from the earth, it, it takes some reprogramming to learn that the earth provides us with everything that we need and that we can rely on that, that that's always going to be there for us, that we're always going to have the earth to be there for us and kind of be a great mother to us. And that's a relationship that you can work on having with nature and with the earth that will, in a sense, be greater, a greater love than you probably could have ever had from any parent or caregiver anyways. So that's something that's a really wonderful kind of relationship to work towards and cultivate. And I just want to mention, like, this is, some people might think this is super obvious, but like standing barefoot on the earth. Yes. It's so amazingly healing and grounding. And I think it has to do with like the energy and the ions and everything. But if you're barefoot on the earth, at least for me, I feel like the earth energy is soaking up into my being and it's supporting me and healing me and loving me and it really is I'm not just imagining it Um, and then of course we can do visualizations where we're grounding our energy into the earth through like visualizing roots growing out of our feet into the earth and integrating with all the other you know soil and nutrients and minerals and other roots and um, that's a really good practice a very simple practice and um, it will very much ground you definitely so just asking yourself when do I feel the most connected to the earth and that's going to be different for all of you So just asking yourself what, you know, what feels good for me? Do I love mountains or do I love the forest or do I love the ocean? And go there, go to that place. Another one is um, cold water. So, I mean, if you live in a warm place then it's warm water, but going into natural bodies of water have a twofold effect. One, it's extremely healing for the nervous system. If you've got a dysregulated nervous system, that's going to be related to your root chakra. So going into natural bodies of water will help heal your nervous system. And it's very feminine energy to feel held by the water, to flow in the water, to be in the water. And so it can kind of heal that mother wound and that connection with nature as well. So that's another thing that's kind of a a twofold practice. It's very cleansing too. It can cleanse your energy, Um, especially like natural bodies of water or like salt water. It can be very energy cleansing too. Yeah, exactly. And it's so much about it's so much about learning to trust your body and learning to ask your body what it needs and what it wants and what feels good and being being curious and exploring that, right? So you can listen to the things that we're saying and that's great, but I bet you that if you close your eyes for a moment and ask your body what it needs, that you might get something totally different. Totally different from what we're saying. And so trust that and go with it because it's about it's about creating that relationship. Yes. I don't think I have much to respond to. That was just very, very well put. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's, um, great. So we're going to talk about ancestral trauma and all of that when we do more on that in the future. And we will move on to the sacral now. So Katrina, um, can you please share some of what you feel here in in relation to spirituality and, and how that shows up with the sacral? I've been going through, I know I've mentioned it a million times, but I'm still going through a very big healing journey with my sacral chakra and my root chakra. 
Um, and how that's shown up for me is um, physical pain and dysfunction of my reproductive system. Mm-hmm. And that's what my body was screaming at me to, because of the pain, to start paying attention to that area. And by the way, you really need to heal, heal this area. And that's what made me, because I've actually known I needed to heal it for a while, but I didn't know how. I knew I had to heal some things with like sensuality. Like I've always felt more comfortable, even though it's like uncomfortable in the masculine energy. So like being productive, like hustling, striving, achieving. And my whole life, I've only come to realize, you know, recently has been about that. And I've really had some sort of weird aversion to resting and receiving and um, being in touch with my sensuality and femininity, even though I am a feminine person, you, you look at me and you're like, okay, she's very feminine, but that's not just your outer appearance. Isn't what we mean by feminine energy. Right. Yeah. So for the listeners, we can relate that to what Katrina is describing here would be an overactive solar plexus and an underactive sacral. Yeah. And the purpose of the chakra of a sacral chakra is to allow movement and connection. Um, it holds, it's the place of our emotions, a place of our sexuality or creative energies formed here. So if you think about it, like if you're female, you have a womb, um, you can create life in your womb space with a baby or at the same time or parallel to that, you can have creative energy blooming in your womb space and that helps you be creative in your life. So like I'm a writer and an artist, I do a lot of creative things. And so it doesn't mean just because I have some sacral chakra wounding that I'm not creative like I am. I like the idea of blooming, like something's blooming up from inside of you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another major theme of the sacral chakra is guilt. And that can show up in many ways, but a lot of us are carrying around guilt in the collective. I honestly think a lot of women or most women are carrying around some short sort of guilt about the collective feminine experience and Um, we're, we're conditioned to feel like we shouldn't, the shouldn't thing, like, oh, you shouldn't be too, um, brash or too bold. Like maybe you'll feel guilty or you're conditioned to feel guilty about, um, certain, certain ways or being. Yeah. And we can relate this to spirituality because on the consciousness scale, guilt and shame are some of the lowest vibrational emotions very low so if you feel like you if you feel like you can get really high in meditation and feel really connected and then suddenly you feel like something happens and and it triggers you and it drops you back down check if there's any guilt or shame involved in that because that's going to be one of the heaviest things that will bring you out of your heart center Mm -hmm. yeah and I've had a lot of that come up for my me in my healing journey so it's really hard and you know what's helped me a lot um First, I learned a lot about self-compassion and Mm. how to love myself and treat myself um, with 
with love. And then I learned about inner child healing. And that's very, very helpful in this um, area of your life. And in this area of your energy is any of the lower chakras is um, inner child healing. And for me, it's maybe it would look differently for you. But for me, I've done a lot of meditations where I, I actually have two inner children that come up show up for me it's like my four-year-old self and my 13-year-old self and so these are ages when I've had traumatic you know experiences or like lots of pain and struggle so these are the um, ages of the inner children as they show up in my meditations and I I do a lot of healing with them Um, and that's very very helpful I found all of that stuff even inner child healing it relates to all these chakras yeah. like it relates to all three and so you know we don't say okay this one area has all the mother wounds or this one area has all the ch- inner, inner child healing it doesn't work like that i think there's lots of different topics and lots of different healing areas that show up differently for different people because of these different wounds yeah it's it's just so vast and varied like it could show up in any way but i did want to just touch on for the sacral chakra um how you might feel if it's unbalanced or like unhealed um so there's a lot of things that can impact your sacral energy and that's you know especially in childhood or inherited um energies and traumas like let's just imagine this as like a tree right like let's say it's an orange tree and trees grow according to their environments, obviously. And like, let's say the orange tree is growing in a very crowded area with not a lot of space to grow and and stretch its, you know, stretch out and expand. So it's going to grow in a stunted way because it's stunted. Um, So that's true for us. If the soil is Mm -hmm. toxic, Mm -hmm. (laughs) if the soil is too loose and it's unstable, you know, it can't, it can't grow properly. And in the sacral, um, oh, I had, I actually wanted to mention this. So in Japan, I used to live in Japan and they have square watermelons there. They're cubes. And they do that for space saving purposes because it's a tiny island, you know, like they, they like to have things very efficient Mm -hmm. and, um, they grow the watermelons into a form that it just grows and it's pressed as it grows outward in it shapes itself into a cube because of its restriction that they put around it. So it's such a good yeah. example, I think, of like yeah. your environment is going to form you, <laughs> whether you like it or not. And it can let you blossom. Let's say this orange tree that we were just talking about is in a beautiful orchard, has lots and lots of love and tender care, lots of space, you know, of course it's going to produce better fruit, more um, healthy fruit, more abundance of fruit, you know, and if it's restricted or stunted or not nurtured, then it's not going to. So another area that could very much impact your sacral energy is religion or growing up in a very repressed, um, strict environment, very severe. So I actually saw in in the book I was looking at earlier, um, Eastern body, Western mind, love that book. Um, she used the term anti-pleasure 
which I think is very interesting. Anti-pleasure, a lot of um, strict religions will sort of like preach that as a main value of life. <laughs> you have to restrict yourself. You're not allowed to have pleasure of any kind because it's, you know, whatever. Um, so that if you grew up in a household like that, or if your ancestors did, that might be impacting your sacral energy. Of course, this could manifest itself in disorders of like your reproductive system or like your menstrual cycle. If you're female and you have a cycle, maybe sexual dysfunction, like if you're a man, premature ejaculation or ED. Um, it could also manifest as lower back pain. But for me, you know what, for me, it's been a lot of inflamed energy, <laughs> irritated, inflamed. I've had like, cause of my healing, um, I've been going through, there's been a lot of angry, throbbing, inflamed, like in my ovaries, in my uterus, my lower back. It's, um, and I think that's, like built up pent up energy that has been repressed for so long that's like I want to get out <laughs> it doesn't have anywhere to go so it kind yeah. of concentrates in these certain areas yeah that makes sense. and I think a lot of people are struggling mm -hmm. with this I've known I know a lot of women right now going through issues with maybe fertility or sexual um, issues maybe not feeling connected not able to reach orgasm or um, pain and cysts and fibroids and cancers and all of that. Like that's where it comes from. Yeah, exactly. And I uh, just wanted to relate this to the first one we talked about, the root chakra, we talked about how do you feel about the world as a whole? With this one, you can ask, how do I feel about my body? And that's a loaded question. Oh boy. <laughs> um, but that's, if you're wondering, oh, I wonder, I wonder if my sacral chakra is healthy or what's going on there. Just ask yourself that question. How do I feel about my body? And explore that because that's going to give you the answers about the health of that energy center. Yeah. So let's just talk about healing. Um, there's so many ways you can do some healing on your sacral. Um, something that has been recommended to me many times is movement. And it's actually hard for me to do that because I'm still like a little averse to like feminine movement, but you know what I've been doing, Jen, I don't know if I told you I've been doing Qigong. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. Um, and that's a way <laughs> I'm just doing it on YouTube. Like, obviously I'm not an expert, <laughs> But I, I found a YouTube channel that I like and it's helping me move gracefully with intention that's not dancing because for some reason, like the feminine, like dancing by myself, it just doesn't connect with me. Like I don't care about doing it, but the Qigong, it makes me feel really good nice. during yeah. and after. So it's like letting the energy flow and all of that. So that's just my personal experience. But a lot of people like to do divine feminine dance or I don't know, would you say yoga and yeah, and being yeah. in touch with your body, being in touch with how the sensations and the feelings you're going through in your body. Yeah, it's, uh, it's about creating more capacity. And so again, with like any kind of movement, if you just like Katrina said, find a movement that you are comfortable with and that does feel good, you can start there. And then as you work in that space, you can see, okay, what if I 
move my arms a little bit wider or if I move a little bit faster or if and we can kind of expand that comfort zone of movement just little by yeah. little yeah 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 so going back to the healing, obviously inner child healing, and there's many, many ways of doing that. I'm not going to say anything specific because I've already touched on that. Um, I wanted to mention healthy pleasures. So pleasure is something that keeps coming up for me from my guides. They keep telling me um, it will help heal me if I engage in pleasure and beauty, actually appreciation of beauty I realized yesterday, I was like, well, what do I do that brings me pleasure? That's not just like eating chocolate. <laughs> and I realized reading a really good book brings me so much pleasure and it's very relaxing, right? So I've been reading a lot. I found a good book that I told you about, Jen. Um, I've been reading a lot this, this weekend or it's not even the weekend anymore. The last few days I've been reading a lot and that's one way I can engage in healthy pleasures that aren't just an overindulgence because I tend to emotional eat. I, I can eat emotional, my, eat my emotions. I'll feel stressed or overwhelmed and then I'll go for like ice cream or chocolate. And that's very common. But do you want to, Jen, do you want to talk a little bit about addiction at this point in the conversation? And I will. Yes. Um, Katrina and I were just talking about this a little bit before the episode, but we were talking about how it's interesting that addiction, even even sort of such a, a broad category of something like addiction, it really can show up in similar behaviors, but the motivation behind it can be vastly different for many different people. And so I'm going to talk about that and how that relates to the three chakras, and then maybe that can transition us into talking a little bit about the solar plexus. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to talk about addiction, but I'm also going to talk about eating issues because I think that all of this is really what we're talking about is coping mechanisms, right? Exactly. Yeah. With things like this, I never like to use the word healthy or unhealthy. I like to use the word helpful or unhelpful because what that is to you is going to be different for everyone. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So we talk about coping mechanisms and I'm not going to say that anything is healthy or unhealthy. I'm just going to say these are the different ways that people cope and some of them tend to be more unhelpful than others in general. Mm -hmm. But again, that's going to be very different for every individual. So with addiction and also how that relates to spirituality, right? So it can sometimes be something that makes us feel pulled off of our, our spiritual path, right? When we feel like we can't cope and then we go and we cope in a way that is unhelpful for us. And now what happens? We feel guilt and shame. Oh God. Yes. Which, as I said, are going to be some of those lower energies that are pulling us away from our spiritual self. So that's why this is relevant. That's why we're talking about that because it's something that pulls us away from our spirituality through feelings of guilt and shame. Okay. So when we have in the root chakra, when we have addiction, it usually looks like escapism and wanting to be separate from the world, wanting to be separate, wanting to be just held in something that feels okay, other than being in the world, which doesn't feel okay. And so this escapism tendency 
you know, fill in the blank what you will using blank to escape reality, right? It can really be anything. It can be any substance or any type of behavior, anything to escape reality. This includes a lot of spiritual practices. Sometimes we go, like Katrina and I were talking about spiritual bypassing and being, oh, everything's fine and, and, you know, there's nothing wrong and we all just have to love each other and trauma isn't real and all this stuff. This is, again, a very escapist mindset. It's a very separate mindset. It's not my problem Mm -hmm. that the oceans are dying. It's not Mm -hmm. my problem. Racism isn't my problem, right? So this is, again, it's very pulling away from the world and pulling away from reality. So that's how that can show up um, in the root tracker. So we have addiction, escapism, that kind of stuff is showing up there. While you were talking, I was thinking about like young people and how like addiction to phones, video game addiction, like mm-hmm. numbing, like escapism, numbing by watching, like binge watching. Would that would that fall under that? Oh yes, a thousand percent. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up because for me, I don't enjoy my phone, <laughs> so it's hard for me sometimes to understand that people can be addicted to it. But yeah, okay, so some people are addicted to scrolling social media. This mindlessness, exactly. It, it numbs it numbs your sensations and your feelings so you don't it, you are escaping your self yeah. exactly thank you for pointing that out because that's huge that's a huge thing mm-hmm. um definitely so prevalent in society today so we can just heal that with presence okay so the opposite of escapism is presence how can i be more present and you can start with with myself how can i be more present with myself then how can i be more present with my my people the people in my life like, have I, have I asked my friends how they are? Do my plants need some water, right? It's just like environment presence. And then the next layer of that is my community. What does my community need? Could I, is there anything more I could do for my community? What does my world need? Can I show up and, and do something for the world, for other people in the world, right? So it's just, it's creating those layers of presence and connection, reconnection with ourselves first, with our environment, and then with the world as a whole. That can kind of bring us out of that place. That's why I think some people don't feel like they're capable of being like the rock for their friends or like the community leader or whatever, because they're not, they need to work on themselves first. Yeah. So you, if you're, if you're like that person, you feel like you're overly burdened a lot of the time by your environment and things, and you want to shut down, you can work on being present with yourself. Yeah. Thank you for saying that, Katrina. That's exactly right. Um, And then we go into sacral. We talk about addictions here. Katrina, you explained all this already, but it's about pleasure, addiction to pleasure, wanting to feel good. Now this comes from wanting to avoid emotional pain. Mm -hmm. So any kind of pleasure seeking behavior, whether that's helpful or unhelpful for you, you decide, but you have to ask yourself in that moment, am I avoiding displeasure? Am I avoiding discomfort? Am I avoiding emotional pain by doing this? And what you can do is just see If there's anything you need to face, you can do, I'm going to sit and I'm going to feel my unpleasant emotion. You can set a timer for five minutes. I'm going to feel what I'm feeling for five minutes. Then I'm going to go and enjoy something else, right? So we're kind of balancing out, giving room for the negative feelings, especially with somatic practices and such. And then we can go into whatever we're doing. And it just creates a little bit more self-compassion, a little bit more space in the body for those things. Self-compassion is huge here. Like being able to sit with yourself yes, and allow yourself to feel what you're feeling and not numb it. It takes tremendous self-compassion. Encourage. Yeah. So encourage. Definitely. So if you can do that, like you're very brave (laughs) and it's not 
week to focus on these things. A lot of people think, oh, self-compassion is so like wishy-washy or whatever, but no, it's going to turn you into a stronger person, into a more resilient, more healed. So it's just so important. Yeah. Thank you. And if you need help containing your emotions or creating like a safe container for your emotions, talk to a counselor, talk to a therapist, find, find a safe place to feel. Because for a lot of people, just feeling in their body doesn't even feel safe, right? So if that's you, you, you know, seek some support. And I like to use the word container, like seek some sort of a container that is creating a safe place to feel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then addiction in the solar plexus. Um, do you want to lead? We'll lead into the solar plexus now. This is a good lead into it. So here, this is really interesting because this one is usually one of two extremes. And for most people, it's both. So we go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. There's not a lot of gray area actually in the, in the solar plexus usually. And we want to work on that. We want to work on creating a gray area between these two extremes. And so one of the extremes is Katrina, you were talking about this before with what was it you were saying? Feeling like you always have to work and be productive and go, go, go. Yeah. Like my, my self-worth in the past was based on how successful I was in my endeavors, how productive I was. And that does not leave a lot of room for healing and wellness and balance. Yeah. So that would be that solar plexus, productivity, self-image, success, all this stuff. And of course that comes from a wounded place. Of course that comes from a place of not feeling enough. Like I'm not enough. So I have to do all these things to earn. What was it for you to earn the right to? To prove my value. Um, yeah, I guess that's it to prove my value. Yeah. And I think a lot of us feel that way or the opposite. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I think that's one side of it. And of course we see this in society as a whole, and that's a whole nother topic, but this is, this is, that's how we've been conditioned. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. Um, it's very sun worshiping, right? It's like the solar plexus is everything. Let's just work till midnight and leave all the lights on and screens are on and lights are on and work is happening. It's a sun worshiping society um, instead of the moon and the darkness and, you know, but we can, we can talk about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> the solar plexus very much is, there's a connection between the solar and sacral that is this dancing and this balance between the masculine and feminine energies. So we really want to kind of balance those out and have that be sun and moon, you know, cause both are good. And we, we all have both. Yeah. And that's something I don't think I specifically mentioned when I was talking about sacral. It's like divine feminine energy mm-hmm. is living there. And every, even if you're not identifying as female, we all have feminine and masculine energy. Yeah. It's the yin and the yang or the yang. And that's just how it is, right? Yeah. Um, so oftentimes, like you were saying, the masculine energy is held at a higher value because of our society and everybody knows it (laughs) exactly um and the feminine energy is repressed because it's it's thought of as weak or of lesser value because it doesn't produce it doesn't add to capitalism it doesn't add value to the economy (laughs) whatever yes so the kinds of addictions that we see here are going to be addiction to caffeine addiction to staying up late 
not having the screen off time before bed, you guys know what I'm talking about, <laughs> right? Needing the light, needing the constant stimulation, needing the input. Um, this is an addiction too, right? So also we have oh, yeah. um, scrolling. this one. That's, we were talking about scrolling, yeah. like just numbing yourself. Yeah, from that. yeah. And we also have here um, eating stuff. So this is something for me, I think, did I mention this like a few minutes ago where I would just not eat? Yeah, that's a solar plexus thing because what's happening here is why am I not eating? Because I'm busy doing something, right? Mm -hmm. Something that's more important, quote, quote, than what my body needs. And so that was my my root and my solar kind of fighting for attention, right? Yeah. So that's, that's where we have a lot of um, like skipping meals and, and all that kind of stuff. But also here we have body image, self-esteem, and our identity. So again, you can see how yeah. that all relates to eating because how, how do I look? How does my body look? But also yeah. what am I achieving? What is my career? Oh, hi, I'm Jen and my career is this, right? <laughs> this way that we- Oh my God, every social <laughs> situation you're in, when you're yeah. meeting somebody, you say, what do you do? Yeah, and that's the solar plexus. That's the worshiping of the solar plexus, right? It's more important who you are and what you're achieving than just being a human being mm -hmm. being balanced and well that's that's not very favorably looked on these these days if you're not if you're not being super productive and achieving <laughs> so exactly so that's and i'm not going to talk too much about the solar plexus but what i wanted to talk about in particular was how it relates to the other chakras so how it relates to the to the sacral, it's this balance of masculine and feminine that kind of fight. And then how it relates to the, the root is this balance usually between the mind or the will and the body and the needs. Mm -hmm. So the will versus the needs. I want this and I'm going to go get this at all costs, right? At all costs. And this is really damaging. We're kind of traumatizing ourselves when we act like this. Yes risking all of the things that I care about because I have to have this one thing and this is the most important thing, right? We can get obsessed with career and money and success and achievement, but at cost of our physical health, at cost of our emotional health, at cost of our joy and our enjoyment of life, right? So that's kind of how those two energies can fight. It's interesting because it really does a lot of healing for people that I see, the people that I work with and my clients, specifically with Western society is we're going to take that solar energy and we're going to flow it into the root and flow it into the sacral and kind of move that energy into those areas so that we can have a nicer balance between mm -hmm. the three. While you were saying that, it was making me think of like in farming, like I'm trying to think of my little orange tree metaphor. I don't know if this applies to orange trees because <laughs> I'm not a farmer, but in farming when there's fields, they have to let some fields go fallow for, I don't know, a year because they can't produce, produce, produce because that's not exactly. sustainable yeah. for the plants. Um, the soil gets depleted of nutrients, literally. And so they have to let it grow with wild flowers or whatever is grow, you know, whatever's wild growing there. They have to let that happen um, and allow the soil to recuperate the nutrients before it can have another season of harvest, mm -hmm. you know, planting and mm -hmm. growing and harvest. So that's exactly. how it is in mother nature. You can't go, 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 go every day, the same, always 365 days a year, you know, you just can't. Yeah. So that's, that's the, 
the resting, right? The feminine and the masculine, the, the doing and the being mm-hmm. exactly like you said. Yeah. Yeah. And there has to be balance. Exactly. There has to be balance. And I'll talk about to kind of what, what an underactive solar plexus can kind of look like from what I see in most people, it's usually everybody kind of has an overactive and an underactive. We kind of all have both of these modes really in the solar. I see this a lot and we kind of go back and forth. It's like a light switch. We switch on and off. So like I said, we got to find that gray area and expand that. But what the off switch looks like in the solar plexus is a total shutting down, a total discouragement. So it's like really loss of self-esteem, identity crisis, who am I? What is my purpose? Like, can I even do anything? Right? It's just this total shutdown, self doubt, all these thoughts come in. And it's like a big tsunami. And it really, we're like, holy crap, like, what is this coming at me? If if you felt this, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. (laughs) And it comes out of nowhere. And it's this massive wave of darkness. It feels like darkness. It's all this. Yeah. And so that's what the kind of shutdown state kind of looks like in the in the solar plexus. And then, of course, what do we do? We go to our coping mechanisms, our unhelpful coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. And then how does that make us feel? Shame and guilt. <laughs> and then what does that do to our sense of self? It deteriorates that even further. And so then we have, again, the perpetuating of the solar plexus wound. Now, suddenly, I feel shame and I feel guilty and I feel this thing. So then how do we go and remedy that? We try to make up for it with, we throw ourselves into our work or we like, we go and we do the, we try to achieve something or we try to this or we try to that. And it's like this endless cycle of going back and forth. And so that's why this flip floppy thing happens. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Such a good point. So from a spiritual perspective, I just have to say this because meditation, This happens to people when they're trying to do a meditation practice. If you have solar plexus issues and you, I see this in a lot of people who have solar plexus issues, they'll have this in their mind. I'm going to meditate every day. (laughs) It's a very masculine approach. Yeah. It becomes a sense of achievement, like something to check off the list. I'm going to meditate and I'm going to check it off my list. And then look how great, look at my morning routine. Look at my spiritual morning routine. Mm -hmm. I do the same thing every day and I'm so spiritual and I'm all this. And then what happens when they miss a day, then they're like so guilty and they feel so ashamed and then they hate themselves. And they're like, man, I failed and I'm not spiritual and all this stuff. And it's awful. And so sometimes a meditation practice or like this idea of a spiritual morning routine can kind of be the devil in disguise because it can actually bring out a lot of this wounding about our Mm self-worth and stuff. So I want to say that because when it comes to your spiritual practice, it's not something to achieve. It's not something to check off. It's not about how spiritual or how enlightened you are, how fancy your morning routine is. (laughs) We need to come into the heart. So this is where now I'm talking about the heart. We'll talk about that later yeah. a little bit more. But the solar plexus is in control. And let's let the heart be in control when we're doing our spirituality. So what that means is you wake up in the morning, check in with your heart. What does your heart feel like doing? Does it feel like meditating? Does it feel like going for a walk in nature? What is your heart pulling you towards? And then let your heart pull you towards your meditation or towards your practice. Let that be your guiding light instead of the solar plexus that wants to feel good about itself if that makes sense. So we don't want that to leak into our spiritual practice because that can just be kind of damaging. Yes. 
Yeah, that's a very masculine approach. If you have a giant to-do list and you're like, I have to do this all today, that's, it's just not going to lead to like balance and and healing. (laughs) Yeah. Even though of course, of course we have to do things like that every now and then, but something I've been learning a lot lately is how to do just what Jen was saying. But for me in my healing, it's checking in with my womb Mm -hmm. and what does my womb need what does my body need that's how I'm connecting with my body right now through the womb because of what I need personally so every day I check in and I ask but you know some days I don't because I'm busy or whatever and that's just I'm human but I'm trying to every day check in and not have an agenda in advance and say oh I need to do this and this and this for healing because I've realized that's not going to work because that's using my ego and my, my brain and not my soul guiding me or my highest self or my guides guiding me. Yeah, exactly. To be open to receive the intuition and the messages that I need, not what my ego thinks I need. Exactly. Yes. That's been a tough one to get used to. Yeah. Thank you for saying that too. And I know I didn't talk too much about healing the solar plexus. Um, We will get into that more when we do the deep dive, but I'll just give you a couple of things. So where those kinds of solar plexus wounds come from, society (laughs) is a huge one, Um, but also the parent caregiver child relationship, especially around whether that parent was, how do I say this? It's like a role reversal. So mm-hmm. there's a parentified child, like the child has to take on more yeah. responsibility. We see this a lot with only children and with oldest children. They feel like yeah. they have to take on a lot of responsibility in their lives too young. And so it creates this endless cycle of feeling like I'm always inadequate. I'm never good enough. I'm not up to the job. We have like, I'm not good enough for this role right? We kind of see that seeping into like imposter syndrome and this kind of thing. I'm not good enough for this. I'm not up to the challenge, right? So that's where that wounding can come from. So working on that kind of stuff in relation to inner child healing, like Katrina was talking about, that specifically with inner child healing is very good. Letting yourself be a child again. So experimenting with your playful energy, with the positive parts of your inner child and just that joyful uh goalless kind of creativity mm-hmm. right doing something um like i did this when i was healing my solar plexus because i had that overactive one what i did was i decided to learn to play the cello because i knew that that was a really hard instrument to play and yeah i had played the violin and some other things as a kid but the cello like that was really hard and so i decided to learn to play the cello but with the intention of not getting good at it that was really hard for me how did you learn I rented I rented a cello I had a cello in my house oh and I played the cello and I played the cello like you know every day or whatever but it wasn't I had an agreement with myself that I wasn't going to get good at it I wasn't going to let myself get good at it so I was just going to play it and experiment with the strings and with the sounds and kind of like maybe I'd have fun and play some songs that were kind of fun to play but it wouldn't be with the goal of getting good at it and so eventually when I got to a place where I just felt like I had had the fun that I was going to have with it, then I, I stopped, I like returned and, and didn't play it anymore. And so there was no goal. There was no purpose to that, but that was healing for my solar plexus because I needed to do something that had no purpose that had no goal, no outcome. Like there was no benefit just to my fun. life. 
other than fun. Yeah. Yeah. So taking on an activity like that, I know there's some people that are going to be listening right now that are going to be like, oh my gosh, I cannot do something like that for no reason, with no purpose, with no outcome. I have no free time. Grab a piece of paper, some colored pencils and color and then rip it up and throw it away. That's, there's no excuse to not do that. (laughs) I can say that because I come from the visual art background. So a lot of people, I've done a lot of teaching art, both to kids, you know, teenagers and adults. And once they get it to a certain age as teenagers, everyone gets pretty self-conscious about the art. Yeah. And, um, but as children, when I taught younger children in elementary school, they don't care about if they're good or not. They just create for the joy of it. And it's so refreshing to see. And so if you can experiment with watercolors or experiment with something and a good way to do this is doing an abstract painting or an abstract drawing and just drawing patterns and lines and because it doesn't have to look like anything you know trying to draw a portrait is the hardest thing because you want it to look exactly like a face yeah don't do that just draw paint something just for fun like just the colors that you love paint them across the page for no reason because it's fun and draw concentric circles over and over again like you did when you were in fourth grade you know mm-hmm. like or whatever mm-hmm. it's just it's so fun you're not doing it to put it on the walls for people to admire you know it's about letting go of control and I love that you said watercolors because watercolors have a little bit of a life of their own don't they oh they flow <laughs> yeah there's even less control yeah. yeah and a lot of people try to learn watercolors and they want to paint beautiful pictures and for me, it's it's not fun to try and be perfect with my painting. That's why I like to, I like to paint abstract things because I'm painting a feeling or I'm painting an impression mm-hmm. or whatever. And it just doesn't have to apply to painting, right? This could apply to cooking. You could yeah. try a new recipe if you enjoy cooking and laugh if it turns out poorly, you know? Um, yeah. You could play soccer. Like you could play your, your favorite childhood sport, just for the joy of it, not to make the most goals or the most points or whatever. So you can do this in a lot of ways. So you can just ask yourself, what is one area where I feel safe to give up a little control? Yeah. This feel feeling safe is good. Mm -hmm. One way of feeling safe is not like sticking your neck out, like putting yourself out there. So doing something that in an environment that makes you feel safe, something that might be familiar or unfamiliar but you're like wanting to explore like you were saying the cello you had experience with string instruments but the cello was new Mm -hmm. so that was a really smart way to do that Jen and you know what I was terrible at it it sounded horrible (laughs) it sounded absolutely horrible (laughs) (laughs) I, I had a mute on it which makes it really really quiet because otherwise I lived in an apartment and I really not hate people that much I mean, I would have, I would have had to actually have a hatred for humanity to play that. Oh my God. My mom learned, (laughs) my mom tried to learn violin when we were, when I was in elementary school. So she'd play it in the house from the very beginner stage. And we were like, oh my God. But at least she tried. Yeah. You know, if I ever, if I ever have, if I ever have a cabin in the woods or something, I definitely would love to play the violin again because it's it's really beautiful when it sounds good. Well, yeah, that's why it's such a timeless <laughs> instrument, like a sound. It, it's beautiful, but yeah. 
What's your favorite instrument? I really like piano. I don't. I like the yeah. sound of piano. I like to listen to instrumental music when I'm being creative, when I'm writing mm-hmm. or painting, and a lot of it's more like contemporary instrumental music. But I also really like instrumental piano. You don't play anything, right? No, I played the flute when I was in middle school. <laughs> yeah, but that okay. was only because. Um, at my school, you had to choose art or music. And my mom, oh. my mom was the art teacher. So I was like, no, oh, wow. <laughs> so okay. I took music, but yeah. only, even though I love art and I would have definitely taken art if she hadn't been the teacher. Yeah. I, I, I understand that for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite instrument? Oh, you can't ask me that. I love guitar. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, well, obviously. Yeah. Cause like I am a guitar player, but yeah. So obviously the guitar, but Bass is so fun to play, so fun to play. I used to play electric bass and just the most fun thing. Um, yeah, jazz <laughs> bass, slap bass, so fun. It's the most fun instrument is the bass guitar, in my opinion. Okay. It's so It's just so fun. But yeah, guitar, yeah. I mean, piano kind of drives me crazy because I was forced to take piano lessons as a young child. Oh. And so it's it, like, it kind of drives me crazy a little bit. If somebody's playing piano music, I can feel my anxiety just being dialed up. Oh no! More and really? more, I'm like, oh, no, that's too bad. <laughs> I'm getting better though. It's I can tolerate it a lot better now than I used to be able to. You know, <laughs> that's a good metaphor though. Like, okay, let's say we're talking about our chakras and embodiment. So, let's say you have a trigger from childhood mm-hmm. because you were forced to do this, or yeah. Yeah. the parents made you feel this way, or whatever. And when it comes up you could unintentionally start feeling anxious or, I mean, not unintentionally, um, subconsciously mm-hmm. start feeling triggered, but you're not, if you're not aware of it, then it's going to overtake you and you're going to go to those coping mechanisms that we were talking about. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Let me just, let's wrap this up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So with embodied spirituality, I feel like we can kind of just tie this back in to how we sort of were, we're talking about in the beginning. So all of the stuff that we talked about, all these things we're talking about, it's about not changing who we are, but it's about letting go, right? Of the wounds, letting go of the blockages, letting go of the restriction and the triggers and all these things that kind of create a lack of flow in these energy centers in our body. And so when we create more energy flow in those areas, then what can happen is, you know, we go and do our spiritual practices. We have an open crown, an open heart, open throat, all this beautiful thing, open third eye. All this energy now can flow downwards too. And this is now the current of manifestation or the current of embodiment. It's the current of taking the ideas and the feelings and then bringing them into the world. And so we can have like, I'm going to birth a business or a project, or I'm going to manifest this life of my dreams, or I'm going to have this beautiful relationship with another person, right? Or all of that stuff is that downward current. So when we heal these wounds and we open that up, we're kind of allowing that downward current to flow in and out through our bodies. And then now we have an embodied spirituality. So that's Mm -hmm. how it kind of all, all relates together. Yeah. And these can really show up in physical illness, physical dis-ease. Um, so just keep an eye on yourself. Like if you're the kind of person who has 
you know, a bad back, or if you're always getting sick, um, in a certain area, like let's say you always get sinus problems. Like my husband always gets sinus problems. Um, I don't know if there's a recurring thing that comes up for you, relate that to a chakra and think about, oh, could this be related to this chakra? And how is that, um, how does that imbalance or that wounding show up? And what is the origin of that? That's so true. The, the, the wounds that manifest physically like that. I want to say this because this is a really helpful resource for people. I love that you said sinus problems. So because a lot of our deepest wounds are going to be in those lower three chakras. Mm -hmm. So what we can do is if we have an issue that's happening in one of the higher chakras, look to the one that bridges with it. So there's these bridges that happen. So we have crown and root are like bridged together, third eye and womb are bridged together, the throat and the solar plexus are bridged together, and then the heart is bridged with also the root and the crown. So looking at those bridges as well can help you go, okay, what else is going on here? What else is going on, right? So if I have a problem with my throat, what's going on in my solar plexus? And kind of just asking those questions to root back down to the lower energies, because there's usually going to be a fear, a guilt, or shame underneath almost any wound that you have that is so true yeah yeah Yeah. so that's how you can kind of explore the connections and things between yeah yeah thank you so much jen for sharing all your wisdom i feel like you're a chakra expert no (laughs) (laughs) you're so knowledgeable so thank you so much for sharing all about that thank you for sharing your personal experiences i know it's like vulnerable to talk about health problems and all this kind of stuff but i'm sure the listeners really appreciate both of our openness and vulnerability here. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you're interested in learning more or connecting more with some of the themes we've discussed, we invite you to join us in our sisterhood containers. They're like women's circles, but they go so much deeper and it's going to be so amazing to connect with each other. So we invite you to find out more at our instagram you can find us at sacred soul healing co and if you want to connect more with me and learn more about what i offer you can find me on instagram katrina slade artist intuitive or katrinaslade.com and if you're interested in finding out more about me and how we can work together I empower people to heal their own wounds and rise into their soul's true calling. You can find me at moonpathwellness.com or at wellnesswithjen on Instagram. Thanks for listening.